Broadcasting live from the Immersturm Skull Cairn on the plain of Kaldheim, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham. Joining me is Cameron. Hello. And Nelson. Hi there. And that was the most metal land name out of this set i just realized as it was coming out of my mouth it sounded deeply satisfying to say yeah immersturm skull cairn immersturm skull cairn always sturm if you can sturm <laughs> yeah. normally you bury your skulls in a cairn making a cairn out of skulls that's got to be like a, a, a six head move right <laughs> yeah how many how many cairns were required to, to build the skull cairn? I like the idea that it's not merely a cairn made of skulls, but a cairn to the honor of skulls. It's just like, check out these skulls. How many skulls are you producing where you can have a cairn made out of them? It's like having, it, it seems like a testament to your civilization. It's like having a wing knight at a bar, <laughs> right? I mean, the Immersturm is the realm where it's just an endless battle. Well, it's that's what. I believe that's what Immersturm roughly translates to. It's just like endless war or endless right, right, conflict. Right. Wasn't this a plane chase card? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a plane chase plane. Mm -hmm. Sweet. It made everything very angry at one another. Flavor. Nice. So have the plane chase players known about Kaldheim this whole time? Well, I don't think they said Kaldheim originally. One second. Yeah, let's find this plane that you're talking about, this plane card. Because I've played plane chase, and let me tell you, if you go Naya first turn, and you're playing two at a giant, and then you put all your lands into play, and then you plane chase away from Naya, your opponents don't usually want to play past turn two. It's good times. Right. So in Plane Chase, there's this amazing Raymond Swanland art. <laughs> of course, it goes sideways on the overlay. But yeah, it was called Immersturm on the Plane of Vala, which has been like slightly retconned that like Vala is one of the like one of the realms of Kaldheim. Ah. Right. Kaldheim is like a mini multiverse, right? I saw someone tweet about that. You know, the, the realms are separate from each other and you need some sort of power or magic to get from one to the other. You can't just take a boat. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. Sorry, there's a note on the MTG wiki here. Perf. According to Ethan Fleischer, Vala still exists. It was originally part of Kaldheim incorporating the realm of Immersturm before splitting off. So now there's an Immersturm on Kaldheim and Vala exists as a separate plane with an Immersturm region remnant in it that does seem quite metal you lost me i'm gone i didn't even uh, catch me next week i've also floated off and become my own plane yeah that seems <laughs> needlessly into the weeds but anyway we're gonna get into the weeds talking about kaldheim sealed well i mean kaldheim in general but we're gonna talk a bit about the pre-pre-release as we spend five minutes before we get to remind you that this show is brought to you by card kingdom <laughs> Check out cardkingdom.com slash LRR. That lets them know that we sent you over there and we continue to do so because we think they're great and they're a bunch of good folks and they do great customer service and have good prices on magic cards. You might say they're cool and good. They are indeed cool and good. And if you tell them loading ready run sent me button, please, they will give you a little one inch button, which I'm trying to figure out. I think we're just on the tail end of Omnath was ejected. So get in on on that meme while people are still playing among us. And of course, this show is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading 
ready run and we thank you very much for it also i don't know subscribe to the youtube channel if you're if you're watching it there our next button's going to be just bernie crossing his arms and it says nope yeah <laughs> and it won't be available until like you know like six months from now so everybody will be like all oh, right that joke oh, yeah, yeah what well, that's an old ass meme i remember that meme hey yeah. i actually understand that reference right mm-hmm. i actually know what the next button is because it's already made and it's thankfully not tied to any length of time yeah a timeless one. Are you going to share with us or are you just going to flaunt your knowledge that you know what it what the next button is? Well, I don't want to. I, I, no spoilers. Yeah, I don't want to give it away. Wow. Well, <laughs> I'm sitting here wondering, too, everybody. I don't know either. <laughs> what are we going to talk about, Graham? It's been 15 <laughs> minutes. Let's get into the podcast. We're going to talk about Kaldheim. So I've spent the last couple episodes going through a bunch of cool looking cards and we're going to talk more about that but also through the realm of we did the pre-pre-release last weekend and it was super fun i think this set is sweet and it is still it is as i have alleged multiple times on the show it is dense with things you know there's tribal synergies there's snow there's these new mechanics there's a if you cast two cards in a turn sub theme there's changelings and elves there's just there's a lot there's a lot going on and it doesn't feel bad like it doesn't feel overwhelming the set has big october energy i wonder if this set like the the sketches for it started being planned out during the new world order like back when there was going to be two rotations a year remember when um oh yeah cons of tarkir first came out cons of tarkir was only legal for 18 months or it was announced as only legal for 18 months or whatever i can't remember if that second rotation ever happened maybe it happened once but it was wildly unpopular even the announcement was wildly unpopular although i think a lot of standard grinders like myself thought it was great like i was really looking forward to two rotations a year but yeah this set scryfall tweeted i think that fourteen thousand or more words and the next closest is like twelve and a half thousand like more more words total across all the cards i'm not sure if including flavor text or not but uh the text boxes of all the cards add up to more words than every other set there's a five mana five five in green and i'm straining to think if there's any other vanilla creature yeah there's a lifelink bear and white you know there's some french vanilla stuff but a bunch of them i think partly because of snow like it's a snow set so when you're tweaking these abilities that everyone understands like you know also among the green commons and commons there's boreal outriders first example i can see where in every other set it might just be you know creatures you control enter with an additional plus one plus one counter but because it's like the snow twist there's a lot of words to explain how if you just spent snow, then you get a plus one, plus one counter. Man, Boreal Outrider, I want to talk about this briefly. So two and a green for a 3-2 elf warrior. It's a snow creature. Looks gorgeous. I love the snow frame. This card, I had to like double check like two or three times while we were playing with it to make sure that I actually understood how it worked. Because the way that it reads is maybe not specifically intuitive, but it says whenever you cast a creature spell, if snow of any of that spell's colors was spent to cast it, that creature enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. And the reminder that snow is mana from a snow source. So it's not just if you use snow to cast the creature spell, it's if the snow mana is snow mana of the same color as the creature. So if you have a snow-covered plains and you're casting a blue creature, that doesn't work. But if you have a snow-covered oh. island and you're casting a blue creature, then you're using snow mana of the same color as the creature, then it works. That seems a little overly complex. But then again, this is a very powerful effect. Yeah, it helps if you end up with a cavern of souls 
and a snow forest or whatever, right? Because it means you can put the colored mana into the generic cost from your snow sources. Like your snow colored mana can come from a generic or can be part of the generic payment. And then the colored payment can be from your cavern of souls. So the creature is still uncounterable. But yeah, it is it is a very complicated ability. <laughs> right. Because it, 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 you don't you don't have to be explicitly paying for the colored pip. You could use, again, if we're saying we're casting a blue creature, you can pay that's like two into blue. You can pay for the blue pip with, no, wait, yeah, for the Cavern of Souls. No, I'm wrong. The Cavern of Souls isn't as, isn't as restrictive as I thought. I thought maybe you had to spend the colored mana on a colored pip from Cavern of Souls. So t- I take it back. Sorry, terrible example. Don't edit this out. Just let everyone know how dumb I am. It's fine. Well, <laughs> but still, the point is... Y- you know, for whatever reason, it's it's needlessly complicated. Maybe, yeah. May, there must be an example. There must be a reason why it says that and not just if you spent snow to cast a creature spell. Probably because that's too powerful. Yeah, maybe. Like, I think it's a fine restriction. I just think, like, once you know, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. But I just think it's difficult to explain. And it's like, I don't know. I think it's a cool ability that maybe at some point I might have been, like, if I were editing the set i might have been like this is cool but it's it's an absolute bear to explain so maybe we don't do it i mean it might also be a thing where it could put the kibosh on you getting that ability multiple times per turn right Mm, like maybe yeah that might just pump the brakes on it a little bit and keep it out of like the realm of absurd mythic uncommons right yes clearly it's still quite good and a payoff for being in snow but it is good yeah like just all all your creatures suddenly get plus one plus one is probably too good for a three mana three two i want to talk about a powerful uncommon that i had in my sealed deck Mm -hmm. please do that ended up being very successful on more than one occasion i mean i have a couple uncommons in this deck i want to talk about but in this instance doom scar titan so my deck if you haven't watched the ppr was green black but i was splashing red for my promo card which was waking the trolls a carter doom scourge who's a fun legendary creature that has it's on its on the turn you play it it forces your opponents to it creatures to attack you but then it has this other thing that just lasts forever that's anytime any attacking creature dies yours or theirs you drain your opponent for one which is cool but i was also splashing for this thing doom scar titan so it's four red red for a four four you can also foretell it so it's got the foretell cost of two and then the actual foretell cast cost is four and a red so it's easier to cast it's less red intensive if you foretell it which is why i was comfortable splashing it and when it enters the battlefield creatures you control which includes itself get plus one plus o and haste beep beep yeah you just sort of go you know wide you don't even have to go that wide like in limited you it it was i think i had at most four creatures sometimes three i was gonna say having three on the board and then flopping this guy probably feels pretty good well this this happened yeah let's i just want to warn everyone if you haven't watched the ppr and you're planning on it the the spoilers for the ppr are going to keep happening in this podcast so pause now and watch the ppr if that's your plan so i think game one i'm judging you're playing against kathleen and you played three creatures and then this but then you attacked and she had a flash creature and also i think you didn't realize that her you know big big common of the ppr the white boast creature that untaps itself was already a six six so so it felt kind of bad making everyone get plus one plus zero when this only gave itself up to five power but yeah otherwise still a great card also what a great collection of sentences that was a sealed game yeah yeah right lots of stuff going on in the set 
Yeah, overall, the matches seemed pretty sweet. Yeah, why don't I go first so that we get the worst games out of the way? <laughs> I, I want to talk about a powerful uncommon called Frenzied Raider. It's a red card. It's one red and one generic for a 2-2 Demon Berserker with just one triggered ability. Whenever you activate a boast ability, put a plus one, plus one counter on Frenzied Raider. Yeah, holy moly. Yeah, I had one of these in my pool and I had a very powerful red or a, a probably good red Berserker rare that makes dragons. I did splash for that and I splash for Bergy the God because it seems like it has some synergies, Bergy, and, and on the backside of Bergy, you get to like draw two cards a turn. Anyways, but I mostly played Black White. I had flyers, including a flying lifelink creature and a bunch of what looked like good cards but ben ulmer had two of these on turns two and then three after playing a turn one dusk wielder which is a one black mana common berserker with just a one generic boast ability target opponent loses one life and you gain one life and it's a one two so if you play that out on curve you end up with like two four fours on your turn three you only have to put mana into the dusk wielder to activate boast it can be any mana and the frenzy raiders don't require any mana to get bigger so turn one this i'm pretty sure ben won the die roll also maybe he didn't i'm not sure anyways and then turn two raider turn three raider attack boast so now they're both three threes on turn three yeah ben did go first then it's my turn three i finally have a card i can play it's a three two for three <laughs> perfectly fine way to open up a sealed game most of the time <laughs> And then on Ben's turn four, they all get to attack. It's two four fours and the Dusk Wielder. And then I think he also had a pump spell or he tapped my creature or something. So then I, I died on Ben's turn five. And then on my next game, I'm all going to five. But hey, Frenzied Raider, boast decks in draft. If you can do it, it is a real thing. It's terrifying. If you don't have like removal or death touch creatures on the floor or I don't know. Yeah, some way to deal with these things. They're going to get real big real fast. Yeah, I don't want to say it's like a, a format that favors aggro because that has connotations of like, you know, original Zendikar or Amonkhet right? Mm. Where, you know, blocking was banned. But it really does feel like a format where you need to be doing something on two. Okay. I, I think you need to be like, you need to be prepared to be playing magic early and often. Well, the thing about Fortell is you're always going to have something to do on two. Right. Like, I found myself frequently not casting a creature, but always doing something on turn two. And that can put you a little behind if you're up against that draw specifically. Ben's drawing game one against me is sort of a stars align, like best case scenario. Yeah. And obviously, there's plenty of answers to it that I didn't have, but I still think that like my my keep of like five lands, three drop, four drop, which is a four, three flying lifelinker was pretty defensible. It mm -hmm. didn't do anything on two though, and it was on the draw. So who knows? Maybe some players send that back. I also had Dusk Wielder in my deck, not as like a marquee card, but just it worked on a couple different axes of being an elf, which was like very, very a minor relevance in my deck, but also just being cheap because I had two of the infernal pets which is a 2-2 two, two for 3. It's an imp. And whenever you cast your second spell each turn, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it gains flying until end of turn. So just having the Dusk Wielder, even not on turn one, just as a little creature to trigger that was pretty relevant. This thing is so terrifying. It's just munching on some some butterflies or fairies yeah a fairy infernal pet is quite interesting to me because like i read it and i did not see the word counter right like my brain deleted the word counter from from it and i'm like okay that seems fine right mm -hmm. it's it's 1997 and this is a black creature right and then yeah no it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and i think these things could get get away from you yeah absolutely I, really good card for for an aggro deck i think yeah i want to 
talk about another uncommon that I had, which, again, speaking of getting away from you, Spirit of the Alder Guard, our good Kermode friend, the Bear Spirit. It's three and a green for a zero four, and when it enters the battlefield, you search your library for a snow land, reveal it, put it into your hand, shelf your library. Point of note, doesn't say basic. Any snow land, so you can get your duels. Doesn't go into the battlefield, but still. And then it gets plus one, plus zero oh for each other snow permanent you control and i routinely had this thing at like a five four yeah yeah absolutely yeah you would wouldn't you yeah pretty de- pretty decent card i mean even a three four for four that searches you up a land is like that's pretty good rate yeah i mean i wonder if it's going to be good enough for constructed like four four for four that draws you a card when it enters the battlefield maybe later in the game it's an eight four yeah like the the glittering frost which mm-hmm. paul has just brought up now that that that's two <laughs> yeah that, i love that about glittering frost that it itself is a snow permanent and it makes a because you should be targeting a non-snow land it makes another land into a snow permanent so yeah it's a it's a two for one <laughs> i would just like to give a big shout out to the all-star of my game turgrid god of fear Oh my god, Turgrid's wild. Turgrid really got to show off on uh, at the BPR. Yeah, yeah, Turgrid just styled on people. N- me, first of all, I, I believe. I was the first person to get owned by Turgrid. <laughs> yeah, actually though, Turgrid, three black black, her front side reads, Menace, whenever an opponent sacrifices a non-token permanent or discards a permanent card, you may put that card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control and she's a four five god the, the there, there are some very synergistic cards with this i'd like to also give some attention to skull raid which if you're not familiar is a four mana you know it's, it's one of these mind rot effects right discard two cards but it has more lines of text if fewer than two cards were discarded this way you draw cards equal to the difference and it has foretell for one in a black. So it's just a beating with Turgrid out on the battlefield, right? Things, things with Turgrid, these otherwise totally passive black effects suddenly just get away. They go, they, they keep going and they get better and better. I don't even know how to describe it because I wasn't alive for long enough to really like appreciate <laughs> what was happening to me. Man, Skull Raid is such a cool design. And like, let me talk about a play that happened in my match against Kathleen. She cast Skull Raid on me. I only have two cards in my hand. And one of them is, I think it's called Demonic Gifts. Yeah, it's one in a black instant until end of turn target creature gets plus two plus oh and gains when this creature dies return it to the battlefield so in the face of a mind rot i would have just cast that and been like well i'm pitching these cards anyway so i'm just going to cast this on this creature and that you know will potentially you get a fog out of it kind of yeah sort of stave off the attacks or you know i get to make some sort of trade potentially i think at the time axe guard braggart had been attacking and getting larger so it's like you could have chumped at least yeah my plan i think was to try and do something with this and blocking the braggart if not trying to kill it or whatever but then i had to make this decision where it's like so do i do that for potentially zero value right like maybe this doesn't even change how she plays the turn or do i discard it so that she doesn't get to draw a card <laughs> which is which is what i ended up doing i ended up not casting it and instead discarding it just because it wasn't going to to my mind wasn't going to have enough of an effect on the board to make it worthwhile and it meant that she doesn't get to draw an, an extra card so i think skull raid is very interesting i mentioned it just now too but i wanted to briefly talk about axe card braggart it's the very first card in collector order for the set and yeah. it came up a lot basically if you open i would say two of these it's a common if you open two of them you're sealed that 
that alone is a push into white because it just can run the whole show by itself. It attacks and blocks. It doesn't have flying, but it just keeps getting bigger every turn and your opponent's going to have to kill it or death touch it or it'll just eventually run away with the game. Yeah, this thing got unreasonably annoying. Yeah. Skull Ray, just to return, I opened some packs for fun yesterday and I got an aspect of Lamprey from Theros Beyond Death. And so it made me wonder like, oh, okay, has there been a kind of sub theme happening at Watsi that I hadn't noticed where they're trying to make Mind Rots more playable? Aspect of Lamprey is also four mana, but it's enchantment. So it's an aura enchant creature and it gives a creature lifelink. So your creature gets lifelink if they don't have any cards in hand. And also you get an enchantment fall if your opponent doesn't have any cards in hand. So those are like some pretty small upsides, but Skull Raid, like not only did they make it a bit easier to cast with the Fortel mechanic, but drawing cards instead of them discarding cards, that's a very exciting upside. And I think Skull Raid, you know, if it if it turns out by the end of the limited format not to be too much of a bummer, hopefully will be what we see kind of the the bar for mind rot going forward because i think yeah, like, just about everybody put their skull raids in their black decks and we all played black like we might have had every copy of skull raid that we opened sleeved up i know i had a skull raid in my deck too i did not have a skull raid and i felt its absence right but there wasn't one in your sideboard that's all i'm saying no yes yeah no yeah did you <laughs> that's another thing we could talk about actually everyone played black wait now mul- multiples of us opened turgrid yeah i opened the angel with flying and lifelink yeah yeah benjamin opened draugr necromancer in a limited environment when you are seeing the cards for the first time you're probably going to bank on the color that offers you conditionless removal right mm, yeah or non-conditional removal just kind of like out of a sense of of planning for the worst right like if you see poison the cup i think it's probably a fairly strong push into black for sure poison the cup new murder it's it's just murder but also if it was foretold scry 2 and has a foretell of one generic and a black so you can either keep in your hand and always have it available for three mana or you can tuck it away for two mana and then you'll only regret it if you need to kill something later that turn so i guess maybe just post-combat main phase you know foretell and then it's only your own end step where you might get bitten it's premeditated murder that's right there's the, there's we got a nickname for it already premeditated murder i ended up in black because i had three legendary creatures that seemed interesting that were gold cards but that all featured black i already mentioned carter i had harold king of skimfar who whiffed every single time in my deck he was just a three two menace that like would maybe maybe draw something but i wasn't banking on the drawability i think you cast him about six six times and he never drew anything right No, he's, yes. you went you went the whole pre-release. We talked about it. Yeah, you definitely went the whole pre-release without him drawing anything. Yeah, and then I had Serulf, Realm Eater, the big wolf, which was a 3-3. And whenever a permanent an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on Serulf. And then at the beginning of the upkeep, if Serulf has one or more counters, you can choose to remove all of them. If you do, you exile each other non-land permanent on both sides of the table, with CMC less than or equal to the number of counters that you removed, which is an interesting wrath. In the, I, that never happened, or I, I never did that. I just had Serral be a big beater. Yeah, I mean, like, what if Ratchet Bomb was also a 3-3? I think we're going to go with Pernicious Dog. <laughs> That's like, very I mean, good. You're just kind of like stacking 1-1 counters on Serral's nose, being like, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> right and Serolf's like oh right but like i remember in your match against kathleen uh she had dunked Serolf in gold the the bound in gold 
the white yeah. the white pacifism effect and it's just like you're 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 staring at this thing getting bigger and bigger thinking like well i i can't even lock it down right mm-hmm. you have to kill it circling yeah. back to turgrid for a second too we it wasn't me but i think adam had turgrid's shadow someone had mm-hmm. turgrid's shadow which is barter and blood sure did only it's only it's barter and blood at instant speed so it costs three yeah. generic instead of two generic and two black so five mana for instant but you can foretell it and then you get back down to four mana so this is a pretty exciting card period but also if if you have turgrid out it's like you know instead of a wrath it's just a you steal all their stuff like you yeah you, you put your stuff in the bin and you put their stuff on your side sure do you sure do adam <laughs> went turgrid and then i was like well i gotta like the insidious thing is that turgrid has menace right so she incentivizes you to go wide to try to rumble with her right yeah because you need a couple of creatures to even block her and then turgrid shadow comes out and punishes you for it and then you lose the game and thousands of people are watching this happen (laughs) thousands thousands millions by now millions of people were just just like man did you see cameron get utterly pwned at the ppr it was incredible it was a thing of beauty hey cameron come on just walked right into it i definitely stole the title this time i fully stole the crown so no oh fair enough i'm i'm, yeah. I'm happy but yeah. i felt that i put in a good showing like i it, we we made it we made a sport of it i feel you know it's true actually i yeah i got i got like you know, crushed by the door trap immediately. But you made it all the way into the demon's lair and then like stretched over the rack and like burned alive. And it was like a longer drawn out thing. So we took different sides of the getting completely pulverized. Yeah, yeah, no, ex- exactly. Like, I feel like I, yeah, we, I walked into the lair and was like, saw the altar and was like, oh, on, on here, just put my head on this. <laughs> is this, is this okay. right? Hello? Okay. Bueller? Okay. I'll just wait here then. And now you're just going to... Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, no, definitely make sure it's sharp. Uh-huh. I'll wait. Take yeah. your time. Sharpen it up. I'm in no rush. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> okay, another great black card I saw put in work. I can't remember what the matchup was, but I think I think either Cameron or Graham was the opponent. Someone had Blood Sky Berserker, one generic and one black for a 1-1 one, one human berserker. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, put two plus one plus one counters on this. It gains menace this turn. Yeah, I got very lucky with a draw. Was this Kathleen? We, no, this was Wheeler. This Wheeler, was game one okay. against Wheeler where it just happened to outpace him successfully. Like I played Blood Sky Berserker on two, and then I think turn three was another two drop and that dusk wielder that we mentioned and so it's like you right. know here's a three three and then i was just able i mean the thing got up to a seven seven yeah and quickly enough that like when it was a five five wheeler's creatures only had four power when it was a seven seven his creatures only had like five or six power and it was just like what 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 do you do you know and he d- didn't draw the removal he needed and blood sky berserker just ran away with that game yeah, I could definitely see this looking really good next to a in constructed looking next to, you know, a lot of one and two drops and maybe some uh, call of the what's it? The Luris spell. It's like three mana and bring two creatures back. Call of the Death Dweller. I forget, oh, yeah. but it's in standard. It's from an, it's from a Coria and it already yeah, yeah, yeah. In red black a fair bit. Yeah. Mm hmm. But because it's only a two mana cost card, but it's kind of, you know, it's a bit of a, a Tarmogoyf variant, right? You've got to build up to it and you can only, you can only grow it by two per turn. But yeah, if you're just next to a lot of Call of the Death Dweller, thank you. You know, this and another Dusk Wielder or whatever, your your gutter bones, whatever your yeah. choice is of, of one drop next to Blood Sky Berserker could look pretty good. The other one that 
pulled me into making this deck with black because I had two of them. I had two of the, the pet, two of the imps, but I had two Carfell Kennel Masters, which is just, I mean, there was the clip from Adam during the deck building when he read it for the first time when he was just like, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose to this card. Yeah. Because it's four and a black for a four, four, which is not terrible. Zombie Berserker. And when it enters the battlefield, up to two target creatures each get plus one, plus oh, and indestructible until end of turn. So you just cast it. You got this four, four to block and you're like, all right, well, these two other creatures, they're attacking. I don't actually care what you do because they're indestructible. So these things are coming in. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the the just the, the image of this guy showing up being like, all right, you and you are dogs now. Get in there. And like <laughs> yeah. this berserker is like, I guess. OK, sure thing. Zombie. I guess I'm a dog now. I didn't even know you could talk, but OK. Boof. <laughs> Boof. <laughs> did anyone play any vehicles? No, I did not. I started my deck out with a funeral longboat and a raider's carve, but then after losing to the berserkers, I cut them because they're not exactly creatures. Yeah. C- couldn't reliably trade with, with Duskwielder. I ended up cutting the longboat myself. Okay, so... Yeah, I guess these vehicles are probably quite balanced. Along, Also on the Common Uncommon Artifacts page, I'd like to talk about Ruined Crown. This one seemed pretty good. And while, again, not fast enough to stem the, the Ben Ulmer beats, I did keep it in. It's pretty sweet because it draws a card, you know, as long as you've got a rune in your deck. This is three generic. Not sure if we, we talked about it already on a podcast, but it, it turned out to be quite good. When enters the battlefield, search your library, hand or graveyard for a rune and put it onto the battlefield attached to this crown. If you search your library this way, shuffle it, and it gives a creature plus one plus one and equips for two generic. So a pretty expensive land and scimitar, but with an upside, uh, a couple upsides really. It draws a card when it enters the battlefield because all the runes draw you a card. Don't play it in your deck if you don't have a rune. But uh, then your your creature also gets Death Touch or Lifelink or whatever it is that your rune provides. And uh, Kathleen, I think, had the white and black runes in her deck. I just yeah. had the black rune. But honestly, I would say any rune you have, it's fine. As long as you have one rune, this thing's probably worth playing. Mm-hmm. Especially because it like searches hand and graveyard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hand is maybe the worst case scenario because the card is just replacing. It's like you get one card back from two cards in your hand, but it Mm -hmm. still saves you on mana, you know? Yeah, Um, yeah. Advances your plan. But yeah, the graveyard is maybe the spiciest one. If you manage to like play your rune down on a creature, the creature dies, and then later you play your ruined crown, you get your rune back. Like, whoa, Marshall Suckliffe is just, you know, bouncing up and down in his chair over that play. One card I would like to talk about that I didn't actually get to ever play but I wanted to desperately was Eradicator Valkyrie. Oh yeah. Uh, I was so excited to sleeve this up and then she just never turned up to work. I I played her in the game where I got run over. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, she wasn't wasn't enough. I was like, okay, these things are big, but I have a four mana, four, three flying lifelink. That's going to be good enough, right? And I think Ben just burned her or tapped her or something. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I got to cast her at least. (laughs) She showed up on the card reader for a second. Yeah, like Eradicator Valkyrie is a four mana, two and two black. Angel Berserker. Uh, You get a four, three body with flying lifelink and hexproof from Planeswalkers. She also has Boast. For one and a black, sacrifice a creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or Planeswalker. This seems good. I kind of want to sleeve this up for Islander Aristocrats. I think she might make the cut because that deck is like... A little hurting for four mana haymakers. It's got Butcher of the Horde and Falconrath Aristocrat. Those both can have haste. And also it has Yogmoth. 
but like i like the cut of eradicator valkyrie's jib right because it comes with was is it attrition is that what this is no i think with attrition you get to target but this is still good it's like it's kind of like innocent blood but they yeah. can sacrifice a planeswalker yeah and, and i mean it's it's definitely the like english word attrition is what's going on here right like both sides suffering losses that's what attrition means right so like i you know flopping this on four and then like swinging on five boasting getting like value off off of one of your creature deaths and a blood artist it would feel really good yeah i i definitely like this card for, i think it's totally fine for constructed you should try it out but while we're talking about falcon wrath aristocrat we've got to mention immersturm predator right oh yeah the the vampire dragon yeah i don't know who's responsible for creating a vampire dragon but like buddy well it's what uh, when a vampire really loves a dragon you see cameron <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to, I got to practice. I got to practice for this conversation. Cram's going to have it a year before me, hopefully, so he can just give me tips. <laughs> Two generic and a black and a red for a vampire dragon. Three, three with flying. Whenever this becomes tapped, exile up to one target card from any graveyard and put a plus one, plus one counter on this. Also, sacrifice another one of your creatures. This gains indestructible until end of turn and tap it. So but similar to Falconrath Aristocrat, right? Mm-hmm. Falconrath Aristocrat didn't get to mess up their graveyards, but it did have haste. This doesn't have haste. Yeah. Like the the thing with Falconrath Aristocrat is that haste actually quite important to turning turning games around. But like I, I also like this this thing quite a lot. Yeah. I'm I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan. Well, can we stay on the multicolored page for a second? Please, let's. Graham, talk to us about your experience with waking the trolls. <laughs> get off your keyboard everybody get off your keyboard stop it i had two i had two very different experiences with this card so let me tell you what it does four red green for a saga chapter one destroy target land chapter two put target land from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control and chapter three choose target opponent if they control fewer lands than you, create a number of 4-4 four, four green troll warrior creature tokens with trample equal to the difference. So I mostly I just thought this would be fun and it was my promo card. So I was like, all right, sure. Let's see how this let's see how this goes. So it always destroyed a land. That's fine. I was able to get Wheeler more impressively because he had a land with Glimmering Frost that we talked about earlier. The snow enchantment on it. Two for one. So I was able to get two mana off of him which was which was nice and then the second ability getting target land from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control so you can steal your opponent's land or you could get something back from your own graveyard which i think i did once because i had a land in my bin somehow i think because a creature died that made both players mill and the land in my graveyard was snow so i wanted to get that one back so that's fine and it just goes onto the battlefield not tapped unless the land itself enters tapped but it doesn't enter tapped by virtue of this card and then the third step (laughs) so in one instance very like grandly and impressively i was able to make i think three maybe four trolls against against kathleen who had been like really really land screwed in our third game but against wheeler i had this situation where i had accelerated this out i had a glittering frost of my own i had a replicating ring and so he had like two or three more lands than me i think i'm misremembering when this game was i think i'm confusing my opponents i probably cast this spell more than twice so ignore 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 the specifics but the point is there was a situation where all this card did was destroy a land and then 
get me a land back from i think my own graveyard and then it was like cool chapter three how many lands do you have three more than me great so so nothing happens yeah i think i think actually the the match against kathleen in round one like i think both scenarios did happen because i remember the first time you cast it you counted her lands and then you explained to chat like okay so i need to make my next land drop and i need kathleen to not have any more lands in hand or have any lands on top of her library for like two turns and then I'll be able to make one four four, and then you, yeah. you're like blow up your land, and then you said go, and then she's like okay swamp go. <laughs> I was like okay, like, yeah. So this doesn't always make a creature, but in the situation where it makes a creature, it's like the the first time you you made creatures, you made three of them, and I said oh that card can do that. Like in my mind, I was like oh that cute land destruction card that gets you a land, that's fun. It's neat that they made Monvuli Acid Moss, which is a card many of us know and love from Time Spirals. Like they made that a six mana saga. That's okay because you know like my destruction's kind of busted you don't make it good and then and then one time you made three four fours and i was like oh that card can make three four fours <laughs> I, I like didn't realize that at all after the first time reading it i think if you can accelerate it out in a way that involves lands like if you're mm-hmm, yeah the rampant growth far seek plan yeah cultivate plan. rampant growth or explore or if you're i don't know like one of those creatures that lets you play more than one land or something obviously not in call time limited but if you can do that then that's pretty sweet or if you can even ramp this out with mana rocks and then on the turn in between chapters one and three then do something to get yourself some more lands then that's then that's pretty cool but yeah you can't you can't just like ramp this out with mana rocks because then it's like well i destroyed your land and i got another land and that was not worth six mana worst worst vintage cube to black lotus's turn one ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> but absolutely agree you want to be playing this with like far seek you know explore effects cultivate as you said mm-hmm. i saw wheeler play the bears of Yara, i think two or three times and every time it was just a scathe zombies because if you don't have another big creature and you play this down and they manage to kill the shapeshifter token right away and you don't have another shapeshifter you know you can you can blank it all right like say you have zero creatures and you play bears of liara you make a two two you pass they shock it you untap the second chapter doesn't do anything you pass you play a three three or whatever and then you untap the fourth the third chapter does nothing so we saw that happen but this card also seems like it's still definitely worth playing you know just some creatures are spell skite and that's good enough any other important signpost on commons that we saw put in some work oh i had to like really figure out and read three times and it was funny because it was like the all judge match it was wheeler versus a surge and surge has agar the freezing flame and i kept having to be like you know answering another question or like click in between windows to answer something in discord and then coming back and being like okay wait so what does this do so a generic a blue red for a three three uh legendary creature giant wizard whenever a creature or planeswalker and opponent controls is dealt so whenever a creature or planeswalker not them one of their permanents is dealt excess damage you gotta look that up comma if a giant wizard or spell you control dealt damage to it this turn draw a card so that again this is kind of like that other green three two for three we were reading where it's like this ability is very complicated you know the, they managed to template it such that the words fit under the card but basically excess damage is more than the toughness or loyalty counters of the creature in question so if you attack with agar and they block with a three two right you draw a card if you have agar and you shock their one one you draw a card. If you bane fire their planeswalker with four loyalty for five damage, you draw a card. If you grim lavamancer their one one, 
they you draw a card. Or if you you deal some damage to it that doesn't kill it, and then later the creature gets dealt damage that ends up being excess, you draw a card. So I don't know, good examples of that maybe like you cast uh what's say blazing volley pre-combat. You deal one damage to other creatures, and then you attack. And it might not be the giants or the wizards that deal the combat damage. Like say you attack with a bunch of worms after that, or you attack with a bunch of trolls, and then they block and their creatures take excess damage. But you, your spell dealt damage this turn. Now you draw a card for each one of those creatures that took excess damage. Looking at this, Agar, I need you to meet my friend Blasphemous Act. Exactly. Right? Like th- this is all I want to have happen now. And like some, actually, no, this is going to happen to me in a commander game sure right <laughs> like we can all see this one coming a mile away somebody like casts agar and then starts counting permanents oh mm-hmm. no right and then they just wrath the board and that's fine and then draw a bunch of cards and you're like okay well that wasn't the worst thing to ever happen to me and then the next turn happens i did find it <laughs> odd that on an uncommon there was no reminder text for what that means it was just they so casually threw it out there right it's just yeah. like so yeah anything anything that causes excess damage uh you draw a card wait what yeah you know excess damage i mean like you think about it for like five seconds and you're like oh okay i, th- I think i intuitively can figure out what this means but i did find it weird just reading that the first time when it's like what is what is that? I've never seen them use that phrase before. We just had flame spill. So maybe that helps, you know, like the timing of it. And maybe it's going to be something we see more often. But yes, this this definitely looks like easier than it is to figure out. Like, I, I feel that we, we joked a lot about unstable providing or, or working in the space of like having backdoor pilots for new mechanics. But I think another function that it fulfilled that we didn't appreciate at the time was just like, saying things and seeing what players where where players will go oh i get it right right like yeah testing how 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 good our intuition is for what they can print on a card and players understand right and i think agar is a good example of like that paying off like you can look at agar and be like excess damage huh does that mean this and agar says yeah it, it means what you think it means it means what it sounds like it means even if it's not capital excess capital damage right yeah. Can we talk about Cardur Doom Scourge for a second? Because this was another interesting one that sort of required carefully going through the abilities. Two generic and black red for a legendary demon berserker. When it enters the battlefield until your next turn, creatures your opponents control attack each combat of Fable and attack a player other than you of Fable. So two different functionalities, whether you're playing a regular 1v1 or a, a group game. And whenever an attacking creature dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. And again, this ability functions differently on, you know, everyone's turn. It just refers to attacking creatures anyone's attacking creatures so you can use it to push through extra damage immediately on your own turn you can cast it and then attack and then you know your creatures are all going to be worth at least you know either their power or one point of life and you can also use it as a nettling imp because it does that and i think graham you played this maybe multiple people played this yeah yeah i mentioned it briefly earlier oh sorry no 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 it's it's fine it's just like the wording is odd because it mentions each combat but that is just in the very outside instance that there's more than one combat per turn. Because that first ability only happens once. It's just until your next turn, creatures your opponent's control. Obviously, like you said, in 1v1, that's just, that's one turn. In a commander game or something, that'll be a complete loop of the table, right? In fact, it's great in commander because they have to attack when they have to attack people other than you, which is just great for you. But yeah, that 
other ability just sits there the whole time and it's like any attacking creature yours are theirs and it's wild it's just i think it's neat that you can be like all right well i'm gonna play carter and pass and then they have to attack into you and so you can make good blocks and you get to presumably eat stuff and so you're eating attacking creatures and then on your turn you get to just presumably fully slam into them and you don't really care if they've played a blocker in the interim because if one of your attacking creatures dies you get to drain them again so you know it all yeah it's a he's a tidy little package this demon berserker probably quite a fine general like a fine commander you know just recurring making making all the creatures that you don't control kill each other in combat just seems sweet yeah be a good one for those vows the commander cards the vows where you make creatures bigger but they can't attack you absolutely Mm. what did we call that guy just car door we just kept calling him car door because that's almost his name right yeah no but like there there was also that cycle of commander cards with brody brody oh yeah yeah yeah. oh that what do we call the guy in the picture of the enchantments yeah those aren't the vows those are the curses curses right yeah with the 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 like hipster with the undercut right yeah the guy who looks like he's just he won't shut up yeah <laughs> and all his buddies are like dude yeah dude just stop he also looks he kind of looks like he's like always trying to get the waitress's attention and he's kind of a jerk about it mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know the red one's probably the best because i think it's in a bar oh no not in a bar mm-hmm. okay sorry paul is there one of them where he's in a bar? Yeah, definitely. Is the blue one, he's like, can't stop talking? Was it, One of them is actually that, yes, it's verbosity. Yeah, there it is. One of them actually is that he can't stop talking, right? Right. Curse of verbosity. Two in a blue or a curse. Yeah, it's just this guy's bogus journey. Whenever yeah. enchanted players attack, draw a card. Each opponent attacking that player does the same. So this this also, actually, these curses would actually get into this to this, to this Carter deck because they encourage these other players to attack each other. Yeah, it's just like Carter's bogus journey. I love it. All right, uh, Nelson, you had one more thing you wanted to talk about before we wrap up for this yeah, week? Yeah, well, we're just at the end of the podcast, so I thought I'd talk about the very end of the PPR where we got to see Essica's Chariot do its thing. This is Cat Car, three generic and a green for a legendary vehicle. When it enters the battlefield, create two, two, two green cat creatures. So that's four power of cats. It has crew four convenient and whenever eska's chariot attacks create a token that's a copy of target token you control what and it's a four four when you turns to a creature so yeah this thing doesn't need any help winning a game it can just win a game of limited on, on its own although clearly we've learned that if you wait until turn four to cast it that's not gonna be good enough but yeah if you're in a stable game this will break it wide open it can clone copies it can make tokens every turn provided you already have a token and uh, it doesn't have to make copies of the cats although that's good enough most of the time i imagine i i love the the if if i fits i sits hard art yeah here it's hmm. they're so they're so cozy yeah big question of whether the cats are gonna pull the wagon eventually or if the something else pulls the wagon the wagon drives itself and the cats get to sit in it oh yeah the uh, showcase frame has an entirely different vibe doesn't it and I hadn't seen that yet. I think the intent is that the cats are going to pull the chariot. Okay, and Essica will sit in the chair because Essica is the green god, right? Or one of the gods? Yeah. Maybe? Yes, yes. I like the idea then that, that on, on, on the regular card frame, that that's a human-sized chariot and that these are just, these look like house cats, but they're just enormous. Yeah, we saw a card like this in Throne of Eldraine that made mice, but it was like an uncommon, like a five mana 4-4 four, four, and it crewed and it had some other ability and made some mice when it came in. Yeah, Cinderella's pumpkin carriage. Exactly. It could it could drive the carriage around by itself, but it certainly wasn't the pushed kind of bomb that this thing is. 
I mean, yeah, this was another like read the card moment because I yeah. was like, okay, so it's a chariot and it makes two, 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 two twos. Okay, yikes. All right, sure, but this is this is doable because I'm either getting attacked by two two twos or they are crewing this four four. Okay, I can handle this. Yeah, like to me, limited bomb without the second ability. Yeah, yeah, the second ability I was not prepared for, nor had I adequately read and didn't realize that he was just going to get to keep making more and more cats every turn. Yeah, I think think without making more cats every turn, we already have a limited bomb, like a a card that could be a rare, would be a first pick in limited. You know, eight power essentially for four mana you just can't attack with it all right away but with the added creating tokens i wonder if this is a constructed card yeah i don't know i have a I have a bad sense of that <laughs> like is it a titan oh dang I, like it's it's for four mana four four it's not a six mana six six but like it does something every turn you know casts a little spell vehicle titan. yeah and i mean if you can if you can put it next to other tokens that are bigger they don't even have to be creatures you can make treasures with it you could make shards in a band deck or something you know, in modern, you could make clues or what have you. That is that is fascinating. You know what else is fascinating? Buying cards from cardkingdom.com forward slash LRR. It's fascinating that they'll know we sent you. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> it's fascinating that you could you can get sweet, sweet sealed product from older sets anywhere in the world or even standard sets if you're living in America and you can get singles anywhere in the world. It's fascinating that the button that you can get if you tell them we sent you currently says on math was ejected. <laughs> it's also fascinating that you can support us directly on Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. At least I think it's neat. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we all agree that that's pretty sweet. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for Tap Tap Concede this week. Next week, we will be talking about some of the real world origins of the cards in the set. The sort of the like we've done for Theros and Eldraine and other sets like that sort of you know, semi top-down design. We're going to be looking at sort of the real-life Scandinavian mythos and what cards in the set are pulled sort of directly from that. I think it's going to be an, an interesting time. Is that happening next week already? Uh, I think so. I mean, because I actually think it is going to be fascinating. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm ex I'm I'm very excited. I've been provided with an extensive spreadsheet of notes. Awesome. <laughs> So that is going to be that, and that's going to do it for this week. As always, I have been Graham, joined by Cameron. It's true. And Nelson. Still here. And Jordan edits these. Paul was running the card reader today. Heather does podcast admin. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.